Welcome. My name is Tracy Stevens, and this is the Healing Point Podcast. So thanks very much for coming today and joining me here. What is it that you'd like to explore? I'd like to explore my rheumatoid arthritis. I don't like to say my rheumatoid arthritis because I'm trying to separate it from being my identity because I don't want it to be. So yeah, where am I? Why am I constantly in a sort of state of inflammation, basically, and how it triggered off and why it's still continuing to trigger off? So that mind and body connection, because I think I've been through everything physically, like supplements, diets, um, different holistic treatments, uh, lifestyle changes, all kinds of things. And, you know, when it comes back to it, I do think if I can change something in my mind or a pattern that's in me and release that, that would be really helpful because I've been symptom free before. Last year, I had three months where I had no symptoms of it at all. There was no inflammation. I was happy as Larry. And then I literally had my COVID booster jab. And about five days later, it started again. And I was like, mm, that's either coincidental or something changed in my mood. It was around Christmas. And so, yeah, I'd like to explore the relationship between mind, body, inflammation, and where I could maybe just drop it if I can or how I can delve into that and figure it out basically yeah oh that's that's so interesting that last year when you were symptom free and then you had the vaccine so that's you know that's sparking something in my mind here to explore as well but firstly could you just sort of give us an overview of you know how long you've been diagnosed with it when did you first start having issues and what it feels like so it was 2019 and um, the end of November I'd been to an orphanage in Belarus doing a documentary and it was pretty horrific what I saw and what I witnessed but at the same time it was really heartwarming and it was one of the most amazing experience I've ever had and I talk about it a lot to different people and the great work that I was I was with them this charity called Chernobyl Children and it's, it's for kids who get abandoned because they've got radioactive damage. So they've either got holes in the hearts, they've got uh, limbs missing, and they, it's really tragic and they don't have anybody looking after them. So they go into these orphanages and they sort of help rehabilitate them. Um, so that was probably the most shocking thing I think I've ever seen. Um, and visiting a kid's graveyard and they only lived to like seven or eight, it was, it was pretty tough going. So I came back from there exhausted, really run down, felt really ill. I had a cold. I was just absolutely worn out. And it, it suddenly it's all started to sort of digest because I'd been behind the camera like all week. So I've been shielding myself from it. And then you put the camera down and then you go and interact with the kids. And it was suddenly like, oh, this is magic. And they're all getting loads of hugs. And it was, it was so lovely, but I didn't know what to do with the emotions that I was trying to deal with. So I came back and about 10 days after that, my partner's mum passed away. And uh, it was sort of one thing compounded onto another thing and just had to be this this strong, this strong thing and block everything out, forget what had happened two weeks ago, and then move into this other thing of supporting my partner and family and everything else. And I never had any time to process what I needed to process. And I still need to process it, I think. Yeah. I've got a lot better at it. But that's when it started. I woke up and I had them. Um, it's like, oh, my finger feels a bit weird, and I couldn't move it much. It was sort of stuck. 
And then another finger started doing the same thing. And then I went to the doctors and I said, oh, you've just got cyanobitis or, you know, if you're ill, funny things happen to your body. A few months went on and it was still there. And they were like, oh, should have gone away. It hasn't. And then I went to a private doctor and they said, oh, just we'll t- put you on some steroids for a month. That'll sort it. That didn't sort it. And then I noticed other things happening in the body, like it started in my feet. I'd be like, oh, why can't I just put my, my feet down on the floor? It was really painful. And then eventually I got to see a rheumatologist and uh, they were like, oh, you just got post-infective cyanobitis, sort of arthritis type thing going on. So I had some steroid shots in different joints and it sorted it out. But then it started in my right foot and then it was the same joint in my left foot. And I said, oh, there's all these, these patterns that keep emerging. And it was the same with my hands. And I'd be like, my little fingers then started. And it was just like, what's going on here? And I just sort of denied it and pushed it to one side until they started putting one different medications that didn't work. And then one sort of did work, but I was still having problems with my feet. So it was just sort of ongoing. And then last year, September to sort of sort of like Christmas time, didn't have any symptoms. They just, I, I hit 40. I came back from IV for, I'd had a really good time with my friends, really good celebration, felt really good. Um, my best mate from Australia moved back to uh, Manchester and literally moved in, in the house opposite me. So everything was really good. Dead happy. Started doing Kundalini yoga, which was really transformative. Like my energy was high. I was awake at four in the morning going, ready to start the day. This is great. And then, like I say, I had the COVID shot and then suddenly it just came back. I was like, oh, no, just bit by bit. And then the last few months, it's been absolutely excruciating. Like a few months ago, I woke up and I couldn't move my wrist, couldn't move it left, right, up or down. And I was just like, shit, what am I going to do? You know, I can't drive the car and, you know, I can't pick up a camera. And it was just like panic. So they put me on steroids and every time I tried to come off steroids, I just had flare-ups and it was just getting worse and worse. So I had some shots in my wrist and that's calmed it down. So it's all right at the moment, but it only gives you a shelf life for so long and then it it hits somewhere else or comes back again. But, yeah, so I'd like my immune system to just stop firing, really. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And um, would you say that, you know, the symptoms that you had were restricting your movement? restricting you doing stuff yeah Mm -hmm. did it have any particular impact on any part of your life I'm wondering if it impacted your work your home life or yeah I mean it's just it's so frustrating when you can't squeeze toothpaste out of a, a tube or turn the shower knobs on my biggest frustration was not being able to play the piano so that is like that's what I love to do that's where I'm happiest is just making music yeah and then I was like, oh, I can't do anything with my left hand. My right hand's going the same way. And that was a real low point. I was thinking, well, if I can't do this, what am I going to do? Mm. Yeah. So that was a, a real battle and frustration of, you know, thinking the one thing I love doing, I, I can't do it. So to me, it was kind of saying emotions coming up and I'm going to stop you doing what you're doing which is playing the piano because it's in your hands yeah until you deal with what it is yeah no it definitely the body saying no isn't it it's it's like your body wants to retreat yep so it's interesting that you had that remission time when you were feeling you were feeling good and your energy was high and you were in this really really positive place and just out of interest you know before you went for that vaccine 
shot. Did you have any thoughts or expectations or uh, of the of the COVID jab or or not really? Um, not none whatsoever. It was just a case of oh, get your booster because I'm classed as um, a more vulnerable person because I'm on autoimmune suppressants. So like, make sure you you know you get your vaccine. But now I've like, I've not had anything since because I'm thinking no, I've, I had COVID in January. Um, incidentally, but didn't really affect me. No, okay. Was January the time when you were feeling good as well, or was that? Uh, no, because it started creeping back in just after Christmas, just after the the booster shot, and then I got COVID late January. There was just a thought in my mind because when you came back on the plane as well, you you had you know a virus of some description as well going on there, like your body was reminded of something. Mm. But that you know. Putting that to one side for a moment, it feels like there's a big spiral thing going on as well. So that it's, it's hard to lift yourself back into the place where you were when you were in remission because you've got the frustrations of everyday life. Is that yeah? The inability to sort of do those everyday things makes um, makes you more frustrated, and then that sort of brings you into this sort of cycle, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So what's interesting to me is the emotional side of this. It sounds really traumatic you know, what you experienced um, or just what you witnessed rather. So you were witnessing something quite traumatic, really, and quite difficult to uh, digest in Belarus. Mm -hmm. And then you came back and then you also had another emotional situation to deal with. When you look back at your life, what's your, your way of coping? What's your emotional sort of background would you would you say are you somebody who feels things deeply and and has to re, you know release emotion or are you somebody that sort of is that strong person and and powers through yeah I'm the power through person that blocks it out swallows it down and doesn't say anything right okay and why do you think you're like that I think I was just taught to be like that it was kind of you know shut up be quiet get you know you're all right aren't you just get on with it kind of upbringing in a way so if you fell over you didn't make a big deal of it you just brushed yourself off even if you're in pain and just walked away from it or you didn't sort of show any emotional weakness so I've always found it quite difficult to express emotion freely like laughter joy great being upset or in distress I would rather nobody ever saw that yeah such a familiar story isn't it Mm. such a familiar story for for so many of us it's all about you being strong and not being weak you know because emotion is weak would you agree with that sort of upbringing yeah yeah that kind of upbringing I mean I don't feel that way about emotion but that's definitely what I learned behavior was yeah I think that I think the point is is that cognitively you can go oh yeah I know that I need to process things and I know I need to release them but your body still lives in the in the childhood place of how you were how you were taught Mm. there's a harshness to that upbringing isn't there there's a harshness to that come on just get on with it type of upbringing what was it like for you as a child were your parents was there softness there or you know, did they communicate with anger and frustration or? Definitely anger and frustration. Yeah. My parents would argue a lot. Um, my dad used to work away a lot. So he'd come home and then he'd be away again. And every time he came home, the arguments would start. Quite a bit of fire in the environment or 
my mum would be quite fiery towards my sister and then she'd take the brunt of it. And then, yeah, that sort of communication was always done in a sort of a more aggressive way. So you just learn not to fight it because you wouldn't be able to get past this wall of anger. So you just learn to be quiet and say nothing in just to have a, an easier life, as so to speak. Well, yeah, I mean, it's survival, really. Mm. You start to know when to speak, when not to speak, when to ask for something, when not to ask for things. What do you remember about how you felt hearing all that, those arguments? I know I used to always enjoy being around other friends' mum than I did my own. I think I was always seeking some sort of comfort from somewhere else that you could have a, a trusting hug that didn't have conditions with it and you could feel relaxed and safe. And I think there was always an element with my mum that was more manipulative or there was a catch involved. It's like, you know, when you, you, you think back and I think, oh, I can never actually remember my mum ever, like, say, reading me a story or playing with me or, or doing anything with me. She was there and she played the role of the mother, but it was almost like a resentful kind of role, I feel. Yeah, and that experience, you're in argument, frustration, resentment, and it's it's what you're feeling and what's going on. And how are you feeling as we're talking about this? I'm all, I'm all, I'm all right with it. I've, I've talked about this before with a, a therapist and I realised I hold a lot of anger just to sort of, because I haven't been able to, I think self-expression is very important. And then when you've just been numbed down or told you can't do something, or you couldn't have a conversation that was back and forth and it was adult and civilised, it would just be, well, you're attacking me, so I'm just going to attack you Yeah, kind of thing. And then you just you just stop talking. So you do just swallow down anything and, you know, if I was to show emotion and vulnerability to her, then that would be used against me or squashed. Therefore, that vulnerability and emotion doesn't come out of anybody. No, and what's happening in your body as we're talking about it now? It's sort of firing up around here, sort of in my chest, I'd say. Yeah. Well, this is what I I just want to get in touch with now because I can actually see it. And what does your body want to do? Or what, you know, what inside of you wants to happen? I I want it to just be released and be like a cool water that just goes from top to bottom and it just flows out rather than feeling like burnt ash that's just kind of chuddering around and it's causing smoke and it's just getting it's just not going away it's there and the anger's there but it's still trapped inside me in a sludgy form that I just like to release and forget about yeah the anger is there inside of you and it's wanting to come out before you can do the releasing. It's there inside of you. It's like coming up like a heat. Yeah. So inside of you, there's a part of you that wants to do something. Like as we're, as we're talking. So whether that's shouting, raging, I don't know what, what comes to mind when I say that. Yeah, I would have said, you know, sort of have a good shout or a scream before. But I don't feel so much like that now it's more sort of just sort of subdued and I've accepted a lot of it I think through talking about it yeah well I I think you've accepted it in that cognitive way but all I suppose I'm just reflecting back is that it's in your body 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's still there in your body because it doesn't matter how much we talk about, oh yeah, that's you know, I can't do anything about that. What the the sort of in the moment the truth is there's an anger inside of you that's raging. And as a child, you never had that opportunity to express that anger because it was it wasn't safe to do so. Mm-hmm. And and all you were witnessed. You know, well, not all you witnessed, but a lot of what you witnessed was anger in conversation and anger in connection. What happens now in your life if you feel angry or frustrated? I mean, are you somebody that that shouts or do you keep it in? I still keep it in because even if if a situation is really frustrating, I actually had one this morning. I was just saying to the receptionist, I'm like, she's like, oh, I'm really sorry about that. And I was like, I know it's not your fault. But I'm just saying I'm not happy in this situation and how I've been treated with what's been going on. But I know it's not your fault. And it would be so easy to just blame her and be like, bah, 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 bah. But I can't do that. I don't shout and I don't scream at anybody. I will, you know, talk in a reasonable manner to anybody. But I don't feel the need to scream. I might feel it inside. I might be like, oh, this is so annoying. And I feel like nobody's giving me any sense of self-worth because I'm just being treated like crap and it's silly with like you know um just going to the doctors or something like that and then saying oh we didn't turn up for this yes I'm stood right here I'm here now I've been here for an hour and you haven't seen me and then you're like oh my god and I have a, a thing of I'll get so many letters we've booked an appointment to see you to assess you about this next week it's been cancelled the person's left the country who who's this doctor can't be seen we'll send you another appointment and nothing happens and I have to chase everybody all the time so to me it feels like I'm not important in any situation because I have to do all the chasing and the work and then that makes me angry and I can feel that now just burning there and I'm pissed off but I'm just like it's so easy make an appointment you attend you send a letter you let me know and then when it's just sort of it doesn't happen. You're just like, oh, I give up. So I do my own matters are out, I'll go private. And then even that, you know, doesn't necessarily mean you get seen any quicker. It's frustrating. And I think I'm holding a lot of anger or frustration with my condition. So it's like a like you say, um, it's just going around on a merry-go-round. Yeah. It goes to another joint, I get really annoyed with that. Something else I can't do. And then I think, oh, oh what am I gonna do now? And then you get a good day and you're like, great you can do loads of stuff and dead happy and then a few days later you'll get something else and it comes back and you know where's that come from what have I done differently yes I just as you're talking and I'm just interested in your hands because there's a few times you made a fist oh really all right yeah if you think about what rheumatoid is doing it's making your hands into a fist yeah part of you that's angry if you notice like when you were triggered even just today like in that situation which keeps happening you notice there's a pattern of these things keep happening like i'm not important enough does that remind you of your childhood yeah like not really bothered about or just you know bought off with things but not not really worthy of it in a in an emotional sense like my feelings don't matter yeah you know, my opinions don't matter. I mean, when I, I did challenge my mum over something, because I, when I got my diagnosis this year, I rang her up and I just said, oh, you know, I've got rheumatoid. It's it's a really dark day today. You know, I'm not happy. 
And she was like, all right, sorry to hear that. And then was just going on about some, have you had your fence panels delivered? And I was like, you what? And um, so I literally just put the phone down and then she's like, oh, you're not yourself. What's wrong? And I'm like, I've just told you what's wrong with me. And you just not acknowledged. You were more interested in those bloody fence panels. And then I heard nothing for two days. And then she texted me going, oh, I'm really worried about you. Da, 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 da. And there was a U-turn. Yeah. She suddenly seemed a lot more concerned. And when she saw me, she was just like, oh, I was really upset after that. Because for the first time in 40 years, I challenged her. I didn't stand for her opinion or her behavior I went no I'm not having that and it felt good at first it was like oh I've really upset the apple cart but at the same time it was big progress for me to go nah I'm not I'm not having that I'm upset here and you need to know about it and then she sort of changed and I was like oh so it's like I think I need to do more of that but she's never going to change and I can't tell her how I feel but it needs to come out somewhere so I can stop getting fired up. Well, yes, so exactly. And so it sounds like you've made really good progress there in terms of just you've stated your boundary and said, actually, that isn't good enough. I I need something here. You know, where my mind is going is that inside of you is this child that needs a mum and needs the the softness and the caring and the nurturing and the and the loving from from a mum but she's raging because she's not getting her needs met you have every right to be angry you're completely right in that we can't change anybody else but what we can do is change ourselves so i'm just i just want to introduce this idea to you anger is all about when wanting other people to change and wanting things to be different. So whenever you feel angry, like it's, it's because you want something to be different than it is. And it's, it's not suiting your own needs. It's not, it's not helping you. It's not supporting you. You've got to fight for everything. And that's just that reflection from your childhood. You know, I have to, have to be this person that has to be strong. I'm not allowed to show emotion. Why am I not allowed to show emotion? You know, there's a, and that's the fire. You know, the fire in you is an amazing, powerful energy. But at the moment, it's like, it, it's like squeezing, it's like squeezing all the fire through like a nozzle or something you know it's like it's like all the it's all pressured and all going through this to make a really fierce flame when actually you've got just a warmth that wants to be like a log burner and you know and that comfortable warmth that's what that's where that's where you want to be you want to be able to use that energy in in that more expansive, giving, connecting, warmth way. But instead, it's sort of all been squished inside of you. So it sort of creates more pressure. Is my making sense at all? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just visualizing what you were saying. Yeah. And there's still this child part inside of you that is so frustrated that that she didn't get her needs met. Mm-hmm. So that raging part of you is still wanting that 
softness, that love, that attention. She wants to be cared for. Yeah, completely. If we look at that part of you and you imagine that part of you, give me an age. Give me an age when you think that, you know, what I'm saying is sort of resonating. Eight. Okay. So you imagine that eight-year-old version of you in that situation, maybe wanting to do things or meet people or play other games or, but just, you know, basically wanting to be loved and seen and heard and acknowledged, you know. And here there's a pause in the recording while we connect to the inner child and do some deep and profound personal work. It's inappropriate to put into the podcast, but connecting these hidden parts of ourselves is very powerful and has the potential to be extremely healing. And we return after this segment. And as I'm saying these, you know, what's happening inside of you? I'm literally just sort of um, dropping. Just like this is going, it's just everything's softening. Everything's just yeah. sinking. And it's in it, it's like I am giving myself some sort of real empathy and warmth. Yeah, warmth. And it's compassion. It's it's compassion. What you're doing is you're noticing that child inside of you. Mm, it's really powerful. It's very powerful stuff. There, there are a lot of words in my mind, but that that you could use here. But you, you can find your own if you take some time to imagine that part of you. They're so angry. You saw a lot of children when you went to Belarus. There was something that connected you in there. There's something that that drew you to that place at that time, and there was something that you needed to see there. Yeah. Did you connect in that at that time to those children having been abandoned and lost? Yeah, it kind of broke my heart, really. And what what I did love about them was just the amount of affection they would give you. They'd never met you, but they'd literally be hanging off you in corridors or just just coming straight up to you. There would be an arm coming round you, coming looking for a hug, or they'd just be like stroking your hair, and I'm like wow, this comes so naturally to you, but so alien to me. And then it was that the meeting of, you know, someone who is, I'm not great with physical affection or that kind of huggy person, but they, that's all they wanted. So you got used to that all week and then you were like, oh, this is actually really lovely. Yeah. I feel safe with them and they feel safe with me. And it was that's why it was such a beautiful experience but it was so heartbreaking to leave them as well and just to see that they went to bed at night and there was no one to, well, there was people to tuck them in, but there wasn't that parental figure or someone that they could feel connected and safe with. And that's what it just drew on me so much. It was like, oh, I just want to take care of them all and, yeah, resonated with them. Do you see the mirror for yourself there? Yeah. It's very, very powerful. Inside of you is a small child that just wants to hug and be loved and connect. And so when you said, oh, I'm not very good with physical affection, it's not, it's not the truth. It's, it's not who, that's not who you are. You've learned to be like that. You've hardened yourself because of your upbringing. 
but it's not who you are. You're a soft, warm log burner. Let's all come here and, you know, I want to care for you person. You know, all that, all that softness and femininity and mothering instinct is there inside of you. And when you saw those children and you experienced those children, you saw what was missing from from you, but you also saw what was missing for your childhood and from your childhood as well. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing that happened. And so when you're feeling the frustration and the anger come up, what's happening really is that you're getting angry with that child that's trying to speak to you. She's she's going, notice me, notice me, notice me, notice me. I'm so angry. I'm so angry. I'm not getting my needs met. <laughs> and you're going, oh, but I've got stuff to do. But instead, if you can stop and pause and go, you know, as you feel, as you feel it, as you feel her in your body, if you can give her compassion at that time, and you start noticing her and go through that process of just having that conversation and allowing yourself to drop into that. No. And gradually, she will integrate into your system and it will dissolve the, the anger and rage that she's feeling. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. How are you feeling now we've been talking through that? Like you've come at it from a completely different angle that I hadn't even thought about. The whole separating myself in two and talking to the, the inner me, the, like the child, and I'd never even thought about that, really. So that, and I could see myself as that age and now who I am, and I get exactly what you're saying. So I will definitely do this as like a meditation or a, a daily affirmation or something like that. Just have a chat with that, that of a bit of me that's just causing this fire but needs needs the compassion, like you say. So the two completely connect. And I've never made that connection. So um yeah, it's very powerful what you said. I'm pleased that you can take it away and, and maybe use it. The key to getting the inflammation down and and getting and sort of regaining control is to really work on that frustration thing that 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 happens and it, you've got a really you know you you're perfectly placed because you've had that experience of what it feels like when it was in remission yeah um and it might just mean that you just sort of have to imagine her there and go okay well we're just going to dance for a bit or we're going to do some drawing for a bit or we're going to just you know, we, we're going to have some fun and I'm here and I'm noticing you. Like imagine that she's there with you as you walk, walk through your life, you know, keep saying, what do you need now? <laughs> and, it, you know, and, and yeah, when you start doing this, it's really quite powerful, actually. Mm. But um, but you've got that to hang on to because you know what it's like without without the RS. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, good luck with it. And thank you. And thanks for this. No, th thanks. Thanks for um, holding the space and um, creating the opportunity. It's very kind of you to spare your time. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed this, you'll find a lot more content on my Instagram account at thehealingpoint.underscore. If you have a question you'd like to explore and are willing to take part in the podcast, you'll find all the information you need on my website, which is www.tracystevens.org slash podcast. Thanks and see you soon.